Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Consider becoming a Texas Football Insider, our subscription package at TexasFootball.com slash insider. Besides helping to make shows like this possible, you'll also get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts, our archives. We've got all 60 years of the magazine digitized, recruiting analysis, and must-see insights from the Dave Campbell's Texas football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. That's texasfootball.com slash insider. And thanks for listening. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Make sure you catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and on Facebook. And if you like the show, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. Give us a positive rating and tell a friend. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show that used announcer voice for some reason. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, TexasFootball.com, a magazine, TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. You just have to trust me. It's on the computer. Uh, Thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us, whether you're watching us live at TexasFootball.com or on Facebook or listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She is the Duchess of the Dorks, wearing a Ninja Turtle shirt? No. It's Ashley Pickle. DuckTales. Oh, DuckTales. Okay. That's a good Did shirt. you like DuckTales? I like the theme. Okay. I think everybody liked the theme. I don't know how much I actually watched like, much of the show, but I love the movie. They made a movie. They made I, a movie. I love the movie. I was today years old when I found out that there's a DuckTales movie. It's really good. On today's show, or today rather, is Tuesday, August 4th, <laughs> 2020, 114 days till Thanksgiving, episode 1002. 1002, this is the Mike Stanton episode. Mike Stanton, who appeared in a grand total of um, 22 and a third innings in 1996 <laughs> for the Rangers. <laughs> How about that? That is a riveting piece of information. Thank you. Thank you. He was with the he was with the Braves and the Yankees for a long time. Okay. On today's show, friends, we are going to here in a moment hook up with Shahan J. Raja, our college football insider, uh, to talk about the Big 12's announcement yesterday. What could be a very big day for the FCS? Um, where college football stands. Uh, heading into the 2020 season. There was a big announcement from the Big 12 last night. We'll go through that, what it means, what it doesn't mean, what we can anticipate, what shoes are going to drop next. We'll catch up with Shahan J. Raja, our college football insider, coming up here in just a moment. In the back half of the show, we're going to continue our summer camp preview series. Our summer camp preview series. We are heading to Waco to talk about the Baylor Bears. Baylor Bears. Um, talk about uh, what we expect from them coming up here in the 2020 season. Uh, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Andrew Christensen, Allison. Wait, yeah, Allison Brown. Meese, I was like, and I was like, Ed McElroy. I was gonna say like Allison. Like, no, the last name is Brown. No, I know, but for some reason, <laughs> like, it's pronounced Brown. No, I know that, but for some reason, it put town behind it. I guess I miss. I typed too fast. I don't. I don't know. I was like, Allison Town, that doesn't sound right. I know who Allison Brown is. Anyway. What? You're in a, you're in a weird place right now. <laughs> uh, TexasFootball.com uh, slash give. We still have our um, uh, our 
donation portal up from our 1,000th episode. If you want to give to Texas food banks across the state of Texas, please consider going to TexasFootball.com. We're going to shut that thing down tomorrow, probably right before the show. So you have about 24 hours if you want to donate. TexasFootball.com. They will be gratefully, gratefully accepted. Again, we're over $3,000. Let's raise that Let's raise that number as high as we can. We're just going to take that money, uh, divide it by nine, and send out nine checks to the nine food banks across the state of Texas. So uh, TexasFootball.com. If you have the means. Do we have Shahan on the horn? We sure do. <gasps> we go live to his palatial estate to talk with the Dave Campbell's Texas football, college football insider, Shahan Jayaraja. Shahan, how are you? Uh-oh. I can't hear him. Can you hear him? Nope. What'd you do? I didn't do anything. Well, I mean, that's kind of obvious now. Hang on, his okay. audio is up. This is going great. We're a thousand and two episodes old, and we can't figure out how to do. This is good. I'm enjoying this. It's not me. Oh, did you connect your microphone, Shahan? Okay, we're gonna call Shahan. Let's do it on the phone. Yeah, we were getting no. Sean, we're gonna call you. Textfootball.com. Uh, w- again, I swear we've done this show one thousand and one times. We're now doing it for the one thousand second time. But as you can tell, we don't know what we're doing. Mm. Um, although we do want to, we're gonna, we're probably gonna get Pickle a new system. So she's very comfortable with, since she inherited this one from Max. So um, I don't have anything else to say. I've, I've given up all all my um given up all my my cool things to talk about um anyway hey pickle let's go to the hotline and let's bring in the college football insider for dave campbell's texas football we're joined by shahan j raja shahan do you read me i i do i don't know we literally just did this uh last week on friday i i don't know nothing's different so I correct <laughs> well nothing is different and yet everything is different um let's talk a little bit about the announcement that came down last night we had teased it on on friday that we thought that so, that a decision from the big 12 uh was coming down uh, uh on monday at some point on monday Board of directors got together and they decided that they that the Big 12 is going to go with a nine plus one schedule, basically the nine game conference schedule plus one non-conference game. Um, when this came out, when this decision came out, did this surprise you at all? Uh, no, it's mostly what we've been hearing. Uh, look, there are a lot of contracts obviously still on. I mean, I, I think that the Big 12 was waiting in a lot of ways to see what the other conferences would do. Um, and, and look, I think that you look at a lot of the other conferences, the SEC, for example, is moving to a 10-game schedule. Some of the other conferences are looking at a 10-game schedule. And the Big 12 quite literally does not have 10 games to play since there are only 10 members. There can only be nine round-robin games. So I'm not too surprised that they decided to leave room for potentially one non-conference game. But uh, but again, <laughs> finally, after, after all this time, we kind of have some clarity. Uh, but we're, there's still a lot of, of things up in the air. We don't really know what the schedule is going to look like. We don't know the start date. And furthermore, the question that, that I'm really interested in is, is which of these non-conference games are they going to play? Now, there's some of, some of the schools we know, uh, but just by process of elimination. I believe that TCU was already down to 10 games. 
uh, and that their their lone non-conference game left was their matchup with SMU. That seems like it's it's now obvious. But is there so, is there actually? Go ahead. I'll jump in and say uh, the word is is that. So actually, let me back up a little. So the Big Twelve mandated that uh, that every non-conference game had to take place at a home Big 12 stadium. Now, the reason that I believe that they did this is so that whenever, you know, these teams are trying to get out of contracts, if they have a road game, they have a very easy out, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but what's ended up happening is that because the TCU-SMU game was scheduled in Dallas this year, that's where it was supposed to be this year, they've actually decided to cancel the game. So at this point, we don't necessarily know what TCU's going to do because they did, like you mentioned, they had Cal and they had, uh, I want to say it was Prairie View A&M as their other game. Both games that have been canceled at this point. So uh, TCU is actually in the process right now of looking for what might be next. So then looking, f- I guess looking forward then is is who in particular do you think is, uh, are, are you anticipating these decisions coming, f- coming down from? As in, w- what do you think, Tech's going to do? What do you think Baylor's going to do? Texas, I know their game with LSU had already been canceled. Um, Do you have a feeling yet on on when the dust settles for the Big 12, which which non-conference games in the state of Texas we are going to get? Yeah, I I think it's going to be decisions I think are going to come pretty quickly because, as you know, athletic directors don't like to be left up in the air. Um, You know, I I think that Baylor's an interesting situation, for example, because they have a home game scheduled against Louisiana Tech and an FCS game scheduled against incarnate word you know and and i'm curious to see because you only get this one game right and it looks like uh, for example oklahoma's canceled their game with army like it looks like they're going to play missouri state they're going to stick with an fcs opponent whereas obviously you know with texas they've got south florida and utep on the schedule they're not going to necessarily have a, a an fcs opponent um, i'm curious to see what a school like baylor does because i think it kind of sets the tone for what everybody else in the conference is going to do uh in terms of do they go for sort of a gimme payout game or do they go for you know, you know not that louisiana tech is a team that should beat baylor but a, a much more competitive game so I think there's still a lot of decisions to be made, and um, and I think it's going to really have a big ripple effect on on how the Big 12 is perceived uh, later this season. We're talking with Shahan Jairaj, our college football insider here at Texas Football Today. Give all the conversation hashtag TF Today. Okay, so now the Big 12 has made their move. All the Power Five uh, conferences have now contracted their schedule. Uh, everyone's going to play, you know. At most 10 games now, uh, for now. I guess my question is, where does that leave the the group of five conferences? They've been relatively quiet so far, I think waiting for these shoes to drop. Do you have a feeling yet on what those conferences now are going to do? Well, I think that the biggest thing with all of this is that all the group of five conferences were waiting to see, I think, whether they could get that payout for a Big 12 game, right? Mm-hmm. To, to go and play at their stadium. Um, and the answer is only if you have a Big 12 or ACC team on the schedule, of course. So I do think that now that we have that clarity, decisions will be coming down a little bit quicker. Now, we've seen from the Sun Belt, I think actually today they released that they are planning an eight-game conference schedule with up to four non-conference games. Uh, conference USA, we've kind of heard that same sort of thing, that things could be pretty normal. But I think that the thing that's going to be interesting is that I, I do think that Conference play is going to be pretty standard across the group of five conferences. I, I think that it's going to be pretty normal, but um, I do think that there's going to be disparities among uh, among these teams in terms of how many games each team plays. Because again, like a like a school like uh, like UTEP, for example, right? Like UTEP had two games scheduled against Power Five teams. Uh, the game against Texas Tech 
isn't going to happen in El Paso, we know for sure, but the game against Texas could still happen. So, you know, we could be looking at one or two or three non-conference games, whereas like Texas State at this point is actually one of two teams in the country that has not officially had a game canceled at this point. So I, I do think that there's just going to be some disparities among scheduling, and some of these games might get canceled. Some teams might reschedule and, and try to get some money out of these games. But, uh, but look, I, I think that at, in the, at the group of five level, I think everybody was waiting for the power five to act. Now that that's happened, I think that there's going to be a little bit of a free-for-all. Uh, uh, you mentioned Texas State. They are in an interesting position, and they made some headlines earlier this week um, with the decision that came down that they are going to move their game with Texas or with SMU to uh, a week forward. It was scheduled to be on September 25th or September 5th, rather. Now it's going to be in week zero on August 29th uh, at Bobcat Stadium. Can you give us a little insight into why they made that decision? Sure. So I think that this is true of also uh, the Big 12, and, and I think it's true of really everybody around college football, right? So the NCAA allowed teams to move to a week zero, which is something that usually you can have to have special permission to do. And the reason that they're doing that is basically to try to stretch out the schedule as long as possible. So, for example, in the Big 12, um, you know, they're going to have 17 Saturdays, up to 17 Saturdays to get done with these 10 regular season games and a title game. And the reason that you need that time is obviously because if you have a mini outbreak on a team, right, you need to quarantine players for seven to 14 days. You might have to cancel games. You might have to reschedule and having some of these extra weeks in between and having a lot of bye weeks gives you a lot more flexibility to be able to, to go in and have these measures in place and be able to cancel or reschedule or postpone games. Um, And, Look, I, I think that the reality is, is that we've seen, for example, in baseball already, uh, you know, when you have positive tests, you have to cancel games. And when you're playing a 10 game schedule, that becomes a big issue. So adding some of these extra weeks into the picture really gives you a lot more flexibility uh, to adjust on the fly. The Big 12 made headlines yesterday. T- today seems like from what we're hearing is a big day for a lot of other sports and for the FCS. Um, it sounds like the Board of Governors of the, of the NCAA is going to get together. Um, based on what, what does what does all of this, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm gesturing broadly, what does all of this mean right now for the status of FCS football in 2020? We know that uh, a lot of division, or a number of Division II conferences, uh, uh, basically the entirety of Division Three, have already moved to the spring. Uh, do we have a feeling yet on what this is going to mean for the FCS? Yeah, the FCS is in an interesting spot because probably about somewhere between a third and half of their conferences have made at least some movements on football, right? But one conference that hasn't really at this point is the Southland Conference. And I think that you look at schedules that people have, I mean, I think that a lot of them know that if they if they cancel these games, if they push to the spring, they're losing potential payouts from uh, from group of five and power five schools or at least big 12 schools. And I, I think that they're hesitant to do that for obvious reasons. Now, I do think that uh, that if the group of five were to limit their scheduling or if the power five schools were to potentially cut off all those Southland and FCS games, I do think that that changes the calculus a little bit. But um, look, I, I think that the NCAA is going to be much more forward with looking at moving D2 and D3 to the spring than they are FCS, just because, again, you know, you, you talk about I, I talked earlier about that Baylor Incarnate Word game. If Baylor does select Incarnate Word to be the team that they play, you know, they're making over a million dollars to show up at that game. And I don't think that uh, that the Southland Conference, for example, would want to risk that payout 
if they think it could still be possible. So I do think that they're going to p- kick the can down the road a little bit further on FCS. But but again, <laughs> everything that's kind of happened to this point has been somewhat of a surprise, so nothing would really surprise me at this point. Uh, I guess that, that kind of leads me to my final question, which is what are you looking for next? Well, I think there was we, – we've talked about how, okay, all eyes were – after the SEC made their move last week – all eyes were on the Big 12. That was the very clear next thing to keep an eye on. Uh, what are you monitoring next as far as maybe the next shoe to drop? Well, I think that it's a relative no-brainer for, for the NCAA to move D2 and D3 championships to the spring. And if that were to happen, uh, I do think that we probably see the Lone Star Conference make a decision at that point. I think that a lot of the D3 conferences have already made that decision um, so I do think that that is a decision that they could make pretty quickly in the next couple of days. But otherwise, uh, now that now that the Power Five is in place, I am really curious to see uh, what the adjustments are for the Group of Five. I'm curious to see whether you know we again we've heard these early returns from the Sun Belt to Conference USA. We haven't heard a ton about the American at this point. Uh, I, I think that the American is sort of the next big conference that probably will need to make some decisions. And and again, uh, you know, for for Texas State, I, I think is a good example. Like. Do you do you expect to play 12 games this year for your Texas State? You know, when the rest of your conference is playing potentially eight or nine. You know, these are sort of the decisions that I'm going to be curious to see is whether these non-conference games get canceled. And again, if these non-conference games start getting canceled even gradually, I think that's going to potentially have a big impact on what the FCS does. And I think you could see those decisions potentially coming down. Because eventually, I, I mean, we talk about college football as being Um, from a monetary perspective, a trickle-down sport, right? Like the Power Five pays out to the Group of Five and pays out to the FCS, who then pays out to Division Two. And potentially, if these non-conference games are gone from the Power Five level and and potentially somewhat from the Group of Five level, I I think that it's going to have a real impact on those small college programs. He's Shahan J. Raja. He is our college football insider here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow him on Twitter at Shahan Raja, And, of course, see his fine work at TexasFootball.com. Shahan, thanks for powering through uh, my technical difficulties, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully next time people get to see, uh, see my face. <laughs> that would be awesome. Later, bud. There he goes. Shahan Raja, our college football insider, joining us here on Texas Football Today. I don't know what happened. It literally worked. That, that literally worked on Friday. And then on Tuesday, it's like, no. I will test something after the show and figure out exactly what it was. Although I will also say that, like, if I was going to pick one of the days for that to, for that to happen. It would not have been Friday. It would not have been Friday. <laughs> we, were, we, were t- we were texting about this on this weekend about how we were, it was, it's rather remarkable that that, that box held up for, for seven, seven hours. hours. Yeah. And, like, almost... It wasn't an entirely clean technical show. Right. But like 90, you get a 98%. Well, and you want me to be honest, I was like, like after the fact, I was like, okay, it held up for seven hours. And I was completely expecting to come in here on Monday and this thing just not work. Like yeah. just say, yeah. nope, nope, I had my last run. Down. I gave it all I got. We're not doing this didn't, anymore. Didn't I was more on shield. <laughs> yeah. After it worked on Friday, I was very concerned coming in here Monday morning that it was just going to either be like completely in flames or, or just say, nope, not you did it too long. <laughs> anyway, we appreciate you, Hanjay Raja, hopping on with us. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State.
Pickle. Get in, losers. We're going to summer camp. <laughs> it's We're continuing our series of summer camp previews for each of the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas. We're going from west to east. We have arrived in Waco. Here is a 100% true story about Waco, Texas. Oh, God. I had friends. We had friends from Chicago, St. Louis, St. Louis, who they came down into town, into Fort Worth, mm-hmm. for a wedding. And they, the wedding was at, was like three o'clock on a Saturday. Okay. But they got in on like Friday morning Mm -hmm. and they're like, the rehearsal dinner wasn't until late. So they're like, Hey, you know what? We've got a day. Why don't we go down to Waco? (laughs) And they don't. And I think they thought that Waco was like a suburb. Was like Magnolia. That all of Waco was well, like too. Magnolia. That too. But I think that they like they got on the road, and then I think they were like, "Wait a second, this thing is like an hour and a half away. Hey. Like, what are we doing here?" Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's go to Waco. Talk about the Baylor Bears. We're going to start as we always do with the state of the program, and and the state of the program. I, I think that it's it's hard to say that the state of the program at Baylor is anything but strong. Um, obviously coming off of last season, and I understand um, that there's a lot of changes there at Baylor. Mm-hmm. But I think when you take a look, especially where they came from, oh, and yeah. considering they were they were basically in the worst place we've seen a college football program since the death penalty for SMU. Mm-hmm. And for them to be revived in that way, um, I think is is super impressive. And right now, I think that at the very least, you can say that Baylor is back to where they were before the Art Briles scandal. Right. Like that's, I think that's, that's entirely fair. If you want to say they're in a better place, we can talk about that. But they are, at the very least, I would say that the state of the program is strong. I know that they're changing head coaches. Obviously, Matt Rule now off to, um, well, off to Carolina. Uh, they lose James Lynch, the def- uh, Baylor def- or the uh, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Um, there's a lot of change there. But I would say that the fundamentals of the Baylor program are very strong. And and I would say that this is uh, that, that right now, if you're looking for a program and just like taking its temperature, hard to do a lot better in the state of Texas than Baylor right now. They're in a very, very good spot, I would say. So let's, let's focus on 2020. And let's take a look first at the offense. We're going to do the offensive breakdown. And and if you are a guy or girl who mm-hmm. thinks that it, it it that you can just say what's your quarterback situation and you judge a team based on that, then for Baylor, you got a veteran. I mean, you can't got ask your guy. You've got Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer is back into as a four-year starter. A four-year starter there at Baylor. I mean, it's hard to do a lot better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, he's got a chance to break a lot of records uh, there at Baylor, which is saying something considering they've had a Heisman winner, considering they've had some great some great players go through. Uh, but he has been spectacular. He's been everything you want from a quarterback. I will say that past Charlie Brewer, who has been at times a little bit injury prone. Yeah. He's more like old faithful than superstar, yeah. almost it seems yeah, like. Yeah, he's just reliable. He's, he's reliable. He's there and he's going to perform. I will say that the depth at quarterback is an unknown. 
Gary Bohannon got some time in the Big 12 championship game when um, when uh, um, but, 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 but when Charlie Brewer went down. I thought he was okay. Um, I would say that right now, you know, nobody wants to lose their starting quarterback. I would say Baylor especially does not want to lose their starting quarterback. Mm-mm. The the I would say that the next best thing that they've got is um, would be at the receiver spot. Mm-hmm. And and they do lose Denzel Mims, who right. is an, a, a a number one receiver, plain and simple, a number one receiver. But I would say that that's not a huge deal considering the depth they've got: Tyquan Thornton, Josh Fleeks, R.J. Sneed, uh, Gavin Holmes, Jared Atkinson. Like, there's a lot to like about these receivers. And by the way, they really like their tight end core. We'll see what that looks like under the new Aranda regime, Dave Aranda regime. But they really like their tight end core. The running back should be pretty strong, too. Um, John Lovett, Tristan Ebner, um, they've got a couple of guys. They are more... This is a, 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 a running back core that probably doesn't have a superstar, mm-hmm. but they've just got a lot... They've got a couple of guys who are really reliable. My question is going to be on the offensive line, where they bring back Connor Galvin at left tackle, and that's a great place to start. Right. And they got Blake, uh, Blake Bedier on, on, at, the, uh, at the right tackle. But they're replacing the entire interior of the line. And furthermore, this is like this is an like the offensive line has been relatively inconsistent, I would say, over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And if they want to continue to be a strong, you know, Big Twelve contender, that offensive line's gotta take a step forward. That's what my concern. Especially with an injury prone quarterback. Exactly. <laughs> so let's go to the defensive side. Let's go to the defensive breakdown. And look, the Baylor defense was arguably the best. It was, it was the best defense in the state of Texas last year. Mm-hmm. It was arguably the best unit in the in the state of Texas last year. Uh, it was one of the best defenses in in the nation. And now they're bringing in a guy in Dave Aranda, who was the defensive coordinator for LSU. Now LSU last year was, um, I mean, let's be real, they were an offense first team. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they had the Heisman winner. But Dave Aranda was the highest paid assistant in the, in the nation for a reason, and that is because right. he is one of the most well-thought-of uh, well defensive minds in, in the state, or in the nation, rather. Now, he does need to replace a lot of guys. They're replacing nine starters, most notably James Lynch, most notably Graylin Arnold, both of whom are left early for the NFL. So there are some holes to fill. I would say my big concern is on the defensive line. Defensive line was spectacular last year, mostly because of, in large part because of James Lynch. I won't say mostly, but in large part because of James Lynch. Mm-hmm. Now they are basically starting from scratch. They've got guys who got some run. TJ Franklin got some run last year as a freshman, but I would say that they are in a, a pretty pretty big um, rebuild. There's talent. I will say, though, that almost, for a coach like Aranda that's coming in and is such a defensive, you know, Mm -hmm. focused coach, that almost does him better because he gets to come in and implement his his policies and how he wants that defense run and not have to worry about any pushback or confusion because it's going to be these new guys that are starting off under his... True. So that could be a positive. True enough, but he didn't recruit him. Right. And so, like, will it fit schematically? That is a big question. Mm-hmm. The linebackers, I would say, are maybe the, the at least from a from a um, from wh- where I trust this team most. Terrell Bernard is. We named him the best linebacker in the mm-hmm. state in on the on the All Texas College team. I think there's no reason to doubt that he's a star. 
around him is the rest of the rotation's kind of unknown. The secondary is interesting because on one hand, there's not a lot of... There's no. There's only got one starter back. It's Raleigh Tejada, and and Raleigh Tejada is a, a really really strong corner. Not a lot of. There's no more starters back, but they did rotate through a fair amount, and so th- these guys they're not starters, but they're not inexperienced. If that makes sense. So there's upside to this secondary, but there's maybe a lack of known commodities outside of Tejada. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Um, let's get to my. Breakout player. My breakout player, I am going to go with... Jeez. I think I'm going to go on the defensive side. I think I'm going to go with William Bradley King. William Bradley King is a, is, a, is a grad transfer from Arkansas State. He is a two-time All-Sun Belt guy. He's transferring as a grad transfer. And most importantly, he's stepping into a place that he can shine pretty much immediately mm-hmm. um, where they need veteran guys to shore up that defensive front. William Bradley King can be that guy. He's my breakout player. And especially if Baylor's going to get back to the heights that they reached last year, then they are not going to, then they're going to need that defensive line to at least look a little bit like they did last year. Right. That's my biggest thing. So he's my pick. Um, let's talk worst case scenario. So now, by the way, and by the way, we're, we're now feeling in the dark now because we know that Baylor's going to schedule 10 games. We, we know what nine of them are going to be. Right. We don't know what the 10th will be. But the worst case scenario, I would say, would be that both lines struggle. The offensive line can't figure it out. They struggle with inconsistency. They're not able to get that running game going. Charlie Brewer maybe gets hurt. Um, and they fall back to the middle of the pack, maybe even the bottom half of the Big 12. Maybe I mean, one thing to consider, look, Dave Aranda is a great defensive mind. Mm-hmm. Dave Aranda, I don't believe, has ever been a head coach at any level. So, there, and there are guys, there are guys who, and we've seen it before, there are guys who are terrific, terrific, terrific coordinators, and they move to the head coaching job, and it's just not for them. It doesn't work. Right. So, will that be the case? I don't know. I'm not predicting that. But I would say that that would represent worst-case scenario for them. Um, Best-case scenario. Because I'm not going to... It's hard to predict a record because it's... Right. We don't even know know what games are being played. (laughs) The best-case scenario, I think, would be that the guy that we're talking about in the Big 12 is Larry Fedora. That we're talking about him as the real under-the-radar pickup of the offseason. Larry Fedora is the new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. former North Carolina coach, um, who's stepping in to coordinate the offense. Matt Rule was a gr- what did obviously great things at Baylor. Nobody's disputing that. But their offenses were always fine. You know, they were okay. You know, they, 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 did, they did enough. Right. If... Larry Fedora. Larry Fedora has been known for outstanding offenses. If Larry Fedora comes in and instill, installs into a, a scheme that that lets this offense really open up, then suddenly, if they do that and the off and the defense is eighty percent as good as it was last year, suddenly you're talking about a team that's right back in Big Twelve title contention. Um, I don't expect them to win the Big Twelve, but I think you can expect them to go back into the into title contention. The question I think is always going to be for Baylor. There's going to be a step back because they're uh, guys. I'm I'm not trying to be negative. I'm telling you, there has to be a step back. Okay, they were 11 and three last year. They went to the Sugar Bowl right. last year. 
There's going to be a step back. They're not. They're uh, Baylor's probably not going to a, a, a near six bowl again this year. That's just my guess. Okay, they've lost so much. New coach. It, that's a hard thing to expect. Mm-hmm. The question is going to be: Is it a small step back or is it a major step back? Uh, the the best case scenario would be a small step back. The worst case scenario would be a major step back. Uh, that's kind of the best way to to put it. And again, I wish I could predict a schedule. We don't even know what their schedule is going to look like. Right. And it's August 4th because the world is crazy. Well, and I think another point to make real fast for the best case scenario is like you said, when, when you have a, a coach that's never been a head coach before and you don't necessarily know, even though they were great as coordinators, if that offense is able to be run well over Fedora, then maybe if – you know, if Aranda realizes, oh, I need to take a step back a little bit and, and play more, he's able to have more leniency to still play that coordinator position and make sure that the defense mm-hmm. is really well, and then they can kind of work together to bring up the program, especially as a first-year head coach. Entirely so that would agree. be huge. Entirely agree. Entirely agree. So, look, Baylor's going to be really interesting this year um, because it, they're, they're a real what-do-you-value team that, like, if you value past success – Baylor was the best team in the state last year. Uh, if you value returning experience at the quarterback spot, hard to hard to top it. If you value like continuity throughout the course of the roster, a little tough. You know what I mean? If you value continuity of coaching, very tough. So it's 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 a Rorschach test on on really what you value. So anyway, there's your summer camp for Baylor. Um, Make sure you. Here's another terrible camping tip. Make, make sure you. Uh, <laughs> make sure you extinguish the fire entirely. Make sure it is out. Make sure it's cool to the touch before you leave the campsite. Yeah, you don't really need to touch it, but well, that, saying, that's I'm probably saying, your best what tip I'm so far. Is that you put your hand over where the fire was, okay. and if it's still warm, put more water on it. <laughs> if it's not, you're good to go. You're good to go. Now we get Ashley Pickle from America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Uh, two things. One, real fast, it is a very TFT thing that we did when we, for those of you who didn't watch the pre-show, we were talking about how many times do we usually watch pre-show things or pre-game things, and we were talking, you were saying how much you don't usually watch the pre-show while we were I talking watch our on pre-show. the pre-show. I wouldn't watch our pre-game show. I think, like, I'm being honest. honest. <laughs> it's just me. But I'm on it, so I have to be, I have to be present for it. This is fair. Ooh, the Islanders just took, just took the lead. Aren't you glad we're watching this instead of pre-game golf? Anyway, the other portion, um, Ed McElroy said, Tep, lots of rumors about Power 5 breaking off from the NCAA, depending on what the NCAA does with Division 1 in the fall for national championships in the major sports. What are your thoughts on if the pow- if Power 5 was to break away from the NCAA? Well, here's, or do you have thoughts on that? I do. I do. <laughs> and some of them are going to be, they're, they, like, it's it's impossible to extricate certain elements from it. One thing to consider is that, look, college sports are reaching a tipping point. Mm-hmm. And the Pac-12, we are united thing is significant. The um, the NLI thing, mm-hmm. or NLI, NLI uh, basically the, the fact that, that, they, that players want to make money off of their likeness and images. Right. I know it's NLI, but that's also National Letter of Intent. It's really, like, confusing. But there are changes coming, mm-hmm. okay? That was a freight train that was always going to pull into the station. And it's it's coming sooner than later, and I think the pandemic is, is giving – it's making players realize that they always had leverage. They just had to, 
to use it. Use it, right. So look, do I think that I think I think that right now it's it's hard to expect that college football is going to look like it does five years from now that it does in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Because there are major changes that are going to come through the way that athletes are compensated, through the way that uh, and and the, w- when when athletes are compensated, that is going to shift everything from group of five to power five. We were always just whistling through the graveyard, with, or whistling by the graveyard when we were talking about uh, you know oh we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, have a, a spot open in the college football playoff for the best group of five team. Mm-hmm. It's like that was never that was always a short term solution. Right. I would say that. Yes, that is where your head needs to be at, is you need to be thinking about seismic shifts, not small incremental changes, because mm-hmm. there are seismic shifts coming. And 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 whether you are happy about it or not, it's it's gonna happen. Like that that is that that ship is is presently sailing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I, I, I think that there you could be a, you could have a situation where um the power five <laughs> is bless you, Thank there you. is a uh <laughs> where the Power Five operates in a different world than Conference USA or mm-hmm. Sun Belt, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I've given up trying to predict where college football is going because it's, we've given up trying to predict anything th- these days. <laughs> but I'm just saying that there's there are going to be major changes coming forth in college football that may be even bigger than, um, oh, you know, athletes may, you know, early signing period. Like there are bigger changes to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, in college football. So there's that. Okay. That's Anything it. Else? You sure? Yep. Okay. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks to Shahan J. Raja, our college football insider, for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tupper. Vince Young, please get your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow at Texas Football Today.